be like T-ball pretty soon. Hutchin and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He called him safe! He called him safe! Unbelievable! That is remarkable. That is unbelievable! The throw beat him by a mile! Live. Did he get him? Oh, he tapped in the entertainment capital of the world, it isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it in. Doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made, he bumped him, and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Cochran 3. Osmosis. Ball strike 3. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The doctor, T.C. Martin. No, goodness no, gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Oh, yes, get your money's worth. Get your peanuts, get your popcorn. Can we get any of that? Nachos? I, I was those. never a nachos guy at a ball game. I mean, I guess it's okay. Better than a movie theater, i got to say. And, and as we've said before, stay away from the Dodger dog. It's overrated. I know I'm killing your earthquake. Hurts my heart. Believers asked me about the Dodger dog. I said there are much better options. No doubt about it. Glad to have you with us. A Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Proverbial hump day. we got a lot of Major League Baseball to talk about today. Yes, we got games going on in progress. We are not even a week into the season. We've got plenty of postponements. Bob Nightingale from USA Today will join us. He's got some great thoughts. Uh, regarding this Marlin situation that we touched on yesterday. We'll dive into that with him. And then also correlated today from a COVID perspective, our very own Dr. Christina Madison, Roseman University, the founder and CEO of the Public Health Pharmacist. She will join us today, kind of get us updated on everything in the world of COVID slash sports and also here in Las Vegas as well. But uh, Brad, the believer in the house with us here today. In the house. We're in the cancel culture, so is it time to cancel the Marlins? <sighs> Man, that is. And you're a Florida guy, too. Earthquake in the house. Earthquake winding up. It's the rope to the far side and the inside. And I will give you your latest Marlins update here. So another player tested positive today. Now 18 players and two staff members. So that's the total of 18. 16 players, actually. Two staff members. Total of 18 in the organization. The Marlins games have been postponed for the rest of the week. Uh, They are still in Philadelphia as we speak here. Quarantined in two different hotels. Major League Baseball made a statement. Said it is... Most prudent to allow the Marlins time to focus on providing care for their players and planning their baseball operations for a resumption early next week. No, that was not Earthquake uh, morphing down a pack of Winstons. That wasn't Ferris Bueller either, was it? It was. No. No. And neither was it Bob Nightingale because I'm not sure. I don't think Bob is a big smoker as well, too. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, uh, been covering this story from the onset uh, on the road. Bob, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. So where's your location today, Bob? Uh, Houston. You're in Houston. All right, there you yep. go. Get, getting getting ready for our boy Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. They try to take care of business and bounce back from the uh, beanball incident last night, if that's what we want to call it, as they take on the Dodgers here in a few hours. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, they don't expect retaliation tonight, but nobody's expecting it last night either. At least that's what they're saying. Right. And it took him the sixth inning until Joe Kelly came in. And then, you know, everything went wild. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, see what ha- we'll see what happens tonight. All right. Looking forward to that. Astros and the Dodgers in the rematch of the 2017 World Series. And it still seems like these Dodgers, Dave Roberts, and a lot of these leftover Dodgers are still, you know, uh, holding a grudge here, so to speak. And again, I don't. I don't think I understand it, uh, Bob. But uh, it is out there. It's prevalent. We thought, you know, calmer heads would prevail. But then again, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Joe Kelly and a lot of these Dodgers uh, are still trying to send a message here. Yeah, they are. I mean, it was even a Dave Roberts said before the game was a release of pent up energy. Been talking about this for seven months, and uh, they wanted retaliation, and and they got it. So, uh, you know, Dusty was upset. Like, why did they get free shots and we don't? Uh, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. 
Right. Uh, Astros have a very young team, a young pitching staff. So normally it would have been Justin Berliner, but it's not. You know, they're going with a uh, a rookie. Uh, so you can't ask rookies to you know intentionally hit somebody. It's not fair to the rookie. So we'll see if anything happens. Yeah. Yeah. Seven rookie pitchers have already uh, appeared in the Astros. Uh, lineup thus far. Seven rookies, and we're, we're five games into this at this point in time. All right, Bob Nightingale joins us, the award-winning writer from USA Today. Bob, let's talk about the Marlins situation. I know you have some thoughts on this. Uh, the good news here is that the Phillies personnel were tested. There were no positive tests there, but then, you know, with the Marlins, uh, it seems like, and we talked about this yesterday, Hopefully this is just limited to the Marlins, and it seems to be that that's the case with, with so many of these uh, players and personnel, a total of 18 now, like we said, 16 players, two staffers. You were quoted as saying that this could have been, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, so I'll, I'll just paraphrase it here, uh, Bob, uh, that you said that basically this team could have been possibly careless during their trip to Atlanta where they played two exhibition games. Uh, give us your take on what happened or what you think happened, because I know there were some stories rolling around yesterday that uh, you were saying, "Hey, that uh, you know the, the Marlins could have been you know doing something out there, whether they were partying in Atlanta or what the deal was, and they came up with all these positive uh, COVID tests." Yeah, something strange happened in Atlanta, and MLB is looking into it. Uh, I mean, nobody else has passed a test. You know, 20, there's 30 teams; 29 are, are clean. Uh, you know, originally. Uh, the Braves players say, well, we think it might have been an a umpire that, that might have been tested positive. You know, nope, that was a false positive. Uh, the flight attendant, nope. Uh, it'd be negative on that crew, too. So something strange happened in Atlanta. Uh, you know, whether a couple of guys went out to a restaurant, a bar, you know, coffee shop, what, what have you. But, at, you know, all the talk about, uh, you know, Miami or Florida's unsafe because look what happened to the Marlins. Well, you know, if it happened in Atlanta, you know, being in Florida had nothing to do with it. So, Bob, you know, there's the the Lou Williams story, you know, in the NBA there, talking about where Lou Williams broke the, the bubble, and he ended up in Atlanta. He was supposed to be going to a funeral, and he ended up in Magic City. Uh, do, we, do we know if any of the Marlins ended up here in Magic City, Bob? Yeah, I do not know that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody would be, you know, silly enough to do that. I don't. I can see somebody going out to eat or, you know, uh, grabbing a cocktail or something like that. Just because, remember, they were in isolation there in Miami. And CJ let their, you know, hair down. You know, I was in Chicago. I saw some couple of guys out as well. Uh, you, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going to uh, happen or, or who has it. Uh, you know, unfortunately for baseball, you can't play in a bubble. It's impossible. You know, it's just a, uh, you know, you can't play 15 games in a room, one roof in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's 115 degrees out. It just won't work. We know you're a man of the people, Bob. You travel all over the place. Are are you a Magic City guy yourself? Uh, Lou Williams says they've got great wings there, but I think they have a little bit more than that. Can you can can you concur with that? Yeah, I haven't been there forever, but I do not remember the food. I do not remember the food. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's the answer that we're looking for. Okay, so back on a more or serious note, we we get that way, Bob. See, we we get stories like this that, that come across, and then you know we go in a different direction here. So. Uh, so back to that, the Marlins say they are trying to get as much info as possible to determine the outbreak's origin and are still in the investigative phase. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said the league has some theories as to what might have happened, but nothing definitive at this point. Uh, Derek Jeter, the Marlins CEO, that still sounds weird to say, doesn't it, that Derek Jeter is the CEO of the Marlins, said the team conducted a successful and healthy spring 2.0 before departing on the road and experiencing challenges. Uh, we know the Marlins did have, uh, did not have any positive tests surfaced during the three weeks um, you know, before the, the opener, and then they traveled to Atlanta for those two exhibition games. So when you hear those comments and those thoughts, what, are your, what is your take on that, Bob? Well, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, there were, uh, everything is fine in, in Miami. Uh, you know, then they go to uh, you know, Atlanta, and, uh, you know, guys are testing positive right and left to go to uh, Philadelphia and, and spread it. So something happened in Atlanta. It wasn't in Miami. It wasn't Philly. It was Atlanta. Uh, you know, it, so if there, was, you know, if there was something in the clubhouse or something like that, you know, why wasn't any of the Braves guys infected? Uh, that sort of thing. So, you know, 
you wonder suspicions like, okay, you know, who went out, uh, you know, what what happened? Uh, so, but but I, I think it's pretty easy to focus on something happened to Atlanta. You know, if, if the Braves want to say, well, you know, maybe you know some clubhouse kid in Atlanta like that, but no one else has tested positive in Atlanta. So it'd be easy to say, oh, it must have been by these two or three guys, Atlanta Braves. You know, but you know, there was no uh, no connection there as well. It'll be interesting to see if there is a investigation on this. Not even an investigation, but if we do find out that, okay, the guys went out to a club or it was a restaurant or within the hotels. And again, this takes us to that situation where, like you said, there is no bubble. The NBA has a bubble. The WNBA does. We see that with Major League Soccer. But, you know, the NFL says, hey, we're not going through a bubble. Major League Baseball said, we're not going to do that. And again, it just opens up, I guess, uh, a lot of this type of activity could be happening because you do have the travel, you got the the planes, you got the hotels, you got all the stuff here. Um, it, it's just interesting to see, you know, how far this thing can go. And I guess you could say maybe point the blame here because you're not in a bubble that we could have, uh, you know, a lot more of these cases in the future. Yeah, well, at least it's a wake up call, you know, for the other teams. I mean, it shows you that one team. Could have brought the sport down by itself, uh, you know, and said, "Well, we can't. It's going to be uncompetitive. You know, uh, you know, it's not fair because you get to play the, get to play the Marlins. You know, you're playing, you know, a single A and double A team. You know, uh, especially since the wild cards. You know, you get the wild cards uh, are, you know, it doesn't matter what division. So you know, not like anybody else has a chance to play the Marlins. Only the uh, East teams. So I, I think it does send a message to their teams, like." You better be careful because if there's a couple of teams that happened to, the sport would be suspended for a while. Now, let's be honest. If it was the Yankees or Red Sox or you know Cubs or Dodgers this happened to, they might have shut the sport down for two weeks. All right. He is Bob Nightingale, USA Today. He's in Houston. Get ready for the Astros-Dodgers tonight. And again, commenting yesterday about this story with the Marlins, thinking that uh, something definitely happened in Atlanta during those exhibition games. So when we look at this schedule, Bob, we already knew that it was tight. 66 days to complete 60 games. Uh, how does Major League Baseball now handle all of these postponements? Are we going to see lots of doubleheaders? Or could this be an extension of the regular season. Any talk thus far about how you're going to make up these, what, six or seven games that the Marlins are going to be missing along with some other teams? Yeah, I don't think they want to do an extension uh, of the season. No wonder that. So make up some double hitters, which is, you know, ominous in the sense that, you know, social distancing, those guys going around each other for six or seven hours. You really want that. That's why baseball trying to stay away from double hitters. Uh, I don't think there's any way the Marlins can make up all those games. It's impossible. Uh, so you may have to go on. You know, if the other team make them all up, instead of whoever has the best records, it may, may have to be the best winning percentage. So we understand today that Major League Baseball has agreed to pay the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Nationals for these games missed. Uh, any thoughts on that? Or any more information on that? Uh, yeah. You know, no, it's very fair. I mean, it's not the... Yankees' fault, you know, the Marlins got sick, or the Phillies, or, you know, you know, Nationals, or Orioles. Uh, nobody, nobody's fault. So I think just say, you know, it's, it's fair. Let's be fair about this. We don't have to do it, but let's be fair. On the Marlins, who knows if they're going to play? You know, do you really want to, uh, you know, pay the Marlins, you know, seven or ten days without, you know, playing games at all? When, you know, playing them for a 50 game season when everybody else is playing a 60 game season? And, you know, hey, if, uh, that comes out that a, uh, you know, a few guys went out by many protocols. You know, maybe they pay all the other models except for those guys. Uh, those guys cause a lot of, you know, this is true, they cause a lot of damage to the sport. So 24 hours ago, there was talk about, well, the Nationals said they're not going to, you know, travel to Miami for their series. Luckily, uh, we didn't have to you know, look at this and, and pick and choose a side. Major League Baseball didn't have to step in here because then they turned around and they just said, okay, the rest of the games for this week for the Marlins will be postponed. But can you imagine if this uh, came to a standoff where the Nationals players or the Nationals, uh, you know, organization said, you know what, we're not going to travel here. Major League Baseball could come back and Rob Manfred w- could throw down the gavel, so to speak, and say, no, listen, you know, we have the ultimate decision-making power here. If we say you're going to play, you're going to play. I mean, that was a legitimate fear about 24 hours ago. As we know with this whole situation, this crazy season, everything changes by the hour here. Uh, so 
talk a little bit about that, and then going forward, if this happens again, can a Major League Baseball team basically hold the rest of the league hostage? No, uh, they can't. Major League Baseball would have forced them, hey, you got to go down there and play. Uh, you know, it, that, that would just open up a whole can of worms. There's too many hot states out there. I mean, what if a team says, oh, i got to play the Dodgers this weekend. Whoops, hey, California's a hot state. I'm not going to L.A. I don't want to go up and play the Oakland A's. They're too good. I don't want to go to Arizona or Texas. You know, you go on and on. So if they do that, then other teams will start doing that. So no, and they would they would have gone. The preference was not to go, although they didn't have a star player that said, "Hey, I want to play Samoans. Come on, let's get some wins down here." So, uh, but yeah, obviously never came down to that since their season was suspended anyway. But uh, yeah, you can never open up that door. Uh, the Nationals could not have teams to play. All right, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, joins us. He's in Houston getting ready to cover the Astros and the Dodgers tonight. So, Bob, on the field stuff, what stands out for you after watching games for the first week of the season? Oh, just anything goes. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we saw Detroit Tigers, you know, beat up the Cincinnati Reds. We saw the Giants split with the Dodgers. You know, it's just like it's impossible to know, you know, who's going to be good or who's going to take advantage of this pandemic. Uh, You know, unfortunately... You know, as soon as team getting sick, like with Juan Soto not playing for the Nationals, it hurts a team like that. Uh, you know, but so far, it just it's only it goes back to my thinking early on was that the veteran teams are going to have advantage here. When everybody jumped on the, the Padres bandwagon, the White Sox, the Reds. It's like, wait a minute now. I think you need a veteran team during the pandemic, teams that have been around and cohesiveness, not just guys that have been thrown together. They don't have time to gel. Uh, they're a team that's rebuilding. Hey, you know, it kind of hurt your rebuilding process. So I like the veteran teams, and the, you know the team that's jumping out so far. You know, is the Cubs, and, and most of those guys, you know, were around during those uh, those playoff years. Uh, you know, the Giants are hanging top. All those guys have been around for a couple World Series. So I think those teams have a little bit of advantage. All right, who's the biggest surprise team for you? Maybe even from a positive side or a negative side at this point right now. Well, uh, I mean, the Cubs have got up to, up to a nice start. Uh, their bullpen's, you know, very shaky. But, uh, you know, beat up a good Brewers team, uh, beat up a good Reds team. So, uh, I guess they, you know, they've been a surprise as well as they're playing. Hey, like, and let's be honest, the Marlins were a surprise, too. They to, to went 2 or 3 in Philadelphia, including one game and half their team is gone. Uh, that was stunning. Uh, you know, disappointment, you probably have to uh, jump at the Reds right there. You know, they thought they had a chance to win the division. They still do, but you know, get up a one-four start as pretty tough. And same the Nationals after a one-four start. The Astros extend our good friend Dusty Baker. Uh, thank goodness for that. Again, uh, probably should have signed him to at least a two-year deal as it was, but it only took four games into this season where uh, you know Jim Click seems to appreciate what he's doing, especially you know the way he handled things in the last few months and everything. So good for Dusty to get that extension. Uh, give us some thoughts about that in any of the other terms that you know about. No, he had the, uh, you know, I think it surprised me he took a uh, one-year extension anyway because he wanted a two-year. But everybody gets a two-year deal. Right. But, you know, very, very appreciative. Yesterday when they picked it up this early, uh, he says, you know, I've been lame duck for a long time on uh, different organizations. I feel wanted here. Uh, what's funny or ironic is that here's Dusty. He gets a, uh, his option picked up and gets to uh, manage the Astros in 2021. And David Martinez, you know, uh, he's a, Nobody's picked up his option yet, uh, you know, for next year. I'm sure they will, but they haven't, and he won a World Series. So I just show you the difference in two uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob Nightingale, he is in Houston, is getting ready for the Dodgers and the Astros uh, tonight. So we'll see what happens uh, in that series, Bob. I appreciate you taking the time and joining us, and uh, we will uh, talk to you in the very, very near future. Okay, sounds good, TC. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, tell Dusty hello. There we go. All right, yes. So Bob Nightingale was interviewed yesterday, and he was basically saying exactly what we were saying yesterday, except he went on the record and said, listen, there are some some shenanigans going on there with this Marlins team. Because when we got the word yesterday that the Philadelphia Phillies had zero positive tests, and then the Marlins number kept growing and growing, we're saying this has to be confined to that team, uh, and, and where did this happen at? 
It, it couldn't have happened in the clubhouse. It couldn't happen in the ballpark. And again, as we know, it takes a week, 10 days, 14 days sometimes to get these tests back or to you know, finally see some results here. And Bob went on the limb yesterday and said, no, these guys were out and they were, they were careless. It's kind of like what he thought. And he kind of backed it up, did a little homework on this. Doesn't surprise me at all. I, I still want to lean on the side of caution because I know that it can take a little bit of time from what we know to get a positive test if it's transmitted. So let's not completely say these other teams that have been in contact with the Marlins are in the clear yet. They are now, but 10 days from now, let's hope that that's still the case. And if it is, that'll be great news for all sports, including Major League Baseball. But uh, wagging my finger at the Marlins. like And I'd like to know the details. What are you doing when you're not at work or at practice? And... The fact that there's 18 guys now that's tested positive, what's happening within the confines of practice in the clubhouse? Are they that close to each other? Do we still need more information on how quickly this can be uh, passed on from one person to another? So there's a lot of questions I'd still like to know that's, that's gone on with the Marlins that are transmitting the COVID positives between each other in the clubhouse. Yeah, and again, this, this story broke that this happened or you know down in atlanta whether they went out whether it was hotel uh and again it had to be more than than one guy that that decided to go out i mean i think that's where this thing was going and like you said with the close proximity we are starting to see this and we're starting to see it more and more the last few days that you know here's a you know the a's had a walk-off grand slam and everybody is mobbing everybody. Again, that's natural reaction. We had talked about that before, that this kind of stuff is going to happen. Over the last couple days, watching baseball, we're seeing more and more high fives. So if we're seeing that that's happening in the field, what is happening for the, with these teams on the road, uh, in the hotel rooms, you know, eating together, or in the clubhouse? Now, you got to remember, you have these expanded rosters, and the clubhouse, especially the visitors' clubhouse, is only so big. So you are going to be next to each other. You're going to be on top of each other. The, the protocols in place for the social distancing are really not there in the clubhouse. Now, media is not allowed in the clubhouse right now, so we, don't, we can't see it. But just knowing the way everything is confined there, it has to be that way. And we look at the dugout, and in the very beginning when spring training happened you know, a few months back, you know, we saw some spacing, we saw all that kind of thing. And then we saw you know, when summer camp uh, came about here a few weeks ago, we saw maybe half the players in the first few rows in the stadium, in the stadium seating. We're really not seeing too much of that with Major League Baseball right now. You'll see some relief pitchers and some guys there that are like that. But when you do look in the dugout, it almost looks like a regular dugout that we've been accustomed to seeing for years and years. Yeah, look, I, I still think this is going to be something that's going to be interesting to monitor for the next 10 days to three weeks with the Marlins and the people they've come in contact with and when they are able to get back on the field. We've talked about what is the magic number now. So do we know the exact we, – we think we have a time frame of when they were exposed to COVID-19. But do we know that's universal for all 18 players? Okay, so when do we find out these 18 players when they're able to get back in the facilities or in the practice field? How long is that going to take? Uh, I'm very curious the details of all of this moving forward, and hopefully we can get details of what exactly these guys that tested positive, what they were doing. Hopefully they'll come and speak out, yeah. take accountability for themselves so they can inform and educate so some of the same people don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to thank Bob Nightingale from the USA Today for joining us. We continue on the other side with Dr. Christina Madison, Roseman University, the founder and CEO of Public Health Pharmacists. Obviously, she has been a great guest of ours uh, in the past here in Las Vegas, uh, getting us up-to-date on the recent COVID stuff, and of course, she follows sports very, very closely. So we're going to get her thoughts on this as well, too, as we dive into more COVID talk. And we got Major League Baseball happening as we speak here today. We got a full slate of games. We'll get to some updates on that as well. TC Martin Show, Brad the Believer, Earthquake in the House on a Wednesday. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from the Band War, and you are listening to TC Martin. And now I forgot what he told me to tell you. <laughs> He's lying to you all. He's lying. All right. More 
Major League Baseball news. We got it all for you. Rob Manfred said we built protocols anticipating that we would have positive tests at some point during the season. The protocols were built to allow us to play through these positives. We believe the protocols are adequate to keep our players safe. So we dive into that with our resident doctor, Las Vegas' very own, the founder and CEO of the public health pharmacist, and also Roseman University, our favorite doctor, Dr. Christina Madison. What is going on, my friend? Nothing much. Just uh, waiting with bated breath like you to see if this MLB and the NBA season is actually going to really keep going strong. (laughs) I know. It is just driving us. You know, we were so excited that we're finally getting some sports back. And we mm-hmm. thought, okay, you know, because remember they told us in, in the beginning that, well, if we're playing outside and we social distance, you know, we'll, we'll be all good here. But then again, you know, we, I guess we, fa- we forgot to factor in the, the travel and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll dive all into that. So you heard me talk about the, uh, what Rob Manfred had to say about the protocols uh, are in place here. And I guess my question to you, Christine, is can Major League Baseball or any of these other leagues – do any more than what they're currently doing with the testing because Major League Baseball has done over 3,300 tests and it seems like they're, they're doing the right thing and luckily I believe only 99 of those tests came back you know, positive which is a very minuscule percent, percentage here so I guess the question is what they're doing, is it enough? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that is a great question, but we we also need to look at it in the context of what else is going on in the communities where they're playing these games. So, um, you know, I, I heard someone uh, liken what's going on with, um, with professional sports to trying to, you know, um, to play in the middle of a, a you know, five you know, uh, Category 5 hurricane. Because the thing is, is that you can't control for the fact that, you know, these communities are in the midst of raging outbreaks. And as much as you try to plan within your, you know, quote-unquote bubble, people are still going to go outside and potentially bring it back into, um, you know, into that space. And so I think until we can get the case rates down in these areas where they're playing the games, um, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to not have these outbreaks turn into something bigger than what it really is right now. You know, we're seeing a lot of the Major League Baseball players kind of revert back to their old ways. Uh, we saw the A's hit a walk-off grand slam the other night. Players were jumping all over each other. We're seeing plenty of high fives. Is this really that detrimental, especially if you've had these players who have gone through the testing and they've been tested before they take the field? And we we'll always hear about, okay, social distancing, not touch, touching each other, that sort of thing. But for players to, to high-five each other or jumping up and down and, and, again, on these celebrations, how detrimental is that really? Yeah, I mean, any time you have the potential to spread those respiratory droplets and are in close contact, it's another potential opportunity for you to transmit the virus. So, you know, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the stats just like you are. You know, it started off with just the one player from the Marlins, and then it multiplied. And, you know, part of that is that, you know, you're – you know, you are able to transmit this infection two days before you ever start showing signs and symptoms. And we know up to 40% of people will never have signs and symptoms and will be infectious and be able to give this to others. Um, the other part of this, too, is that, you know, we're, we're asking, you know, these young, otherwise healthy men to be playing these games, but we're putting them at risk for this infectious communicable disease that could potentially cause you know, complications and, you know, challenges after they recover from the infection. You know, there's recent data coming out now showing that, 
you know, people who even had mild symptoms are having long-term, you know, cardiac problems and issues with fatigue two, three, and four weeks after they've initially had symptoms. So it's not benign. It's not like we're asking these players to do it and just it's okay if they get it. You know, we don't want to debilitate these people in the prime of their lives when they're in their best you know, shape and can be playing these professional sports. So we have to take that into consideration as well. I mean, looking at the testing, we'll use Juan Soto as an example for the Washington Nationals. He had four negative tests in a week. And then before the team's first game, he had a positive test. Now he's out for 14 days. Uh, You know, people are deemed positive with no prior symptoms we're seeing. Is there room for errors in these tests, and how can we? How can a guy get four negative tests, and then all of a sudden, here comes a positive one? Yeah, I know it seems strange that you could have somebody that would have that many negatives and then turn up positive, but really, every time you leave the house, or in this case, every time that person leaves that bubble, it's a potential for them to become infected. And so you also have to remember there's an incubation period. So he may have been exposed, you know, between 10 to 2 to 10 days prior to that and was tested before he actually was able to come back positive. So even though he had those four negative tests, that's not really telling you the full picture. That's only telling you what happened 14 days prior to that. So you know, that that fifth test that came back positive was just telling us that he had been exposed probably a week to two weeks before. I think, you know, like for myself and a lot of us that are avid sports fans, I mean, we're still so naive about this when it comes to the testing and and all this stuff. And, and it can be very, very confusing. So, again, I, you know, when you hear the term, you know, false positives or false negatives, I mean, kind of take us back here. And I guess with the elementary school explanation here, what does that mean? Yeah. So, as far as false positives, um, there hasn't been a lot of those. Um, if anything, we've seen actually more false negatives with our testing. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, the newer recommendations by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are actually now stating not to retest people because that test may continue to remain um, positive even if that person is technically no longer infectious. So as far as me breaking it down, like at the elementary level, um, the, the one thing I want to emphasize is that, you know, we are still fairly new in this testing process. These tests were literally just developed within the past two to three months. And so we are still kind of seeing a few of the kinks being worked out. Um, and then what type of test are you using? Are you using that, um, you know, that PCR test that really detects an active infection, or are you looking at an antibody test which tells you whether or not you've been exposed in the past? So obviously for these players, we're doing that PCR test because we want to see if they have active infection because that's really going to help us to determine if it's okay for them to play. But looking forward, you know, there there are new tests that they're working on that are really more just uh, like a point of care test. So like you, you do the test, it takes like 30 minutes to come back and then it gives you a positive or a negative. And that's really what we're trying to get to. Um, and hopefully those tests will be available either sometime in August or September um, because they're much cheaper and they're faster. So you can see the results much quicker. So the fact that, you know, these players are getting tested every day is amazing because there's plenty of Americans right now who are waiting. Um, we do know that the, the virus has mutated. And so the virus that we have today is different than the virus we had back in February. And so that particular virus um, was infectious, um, but in this instance, we now know this new version of the virus is more what we call easily transmittable. So maybe you were in the same space with someone who was positive before, and you may not have become infected, where now, if you were in the same room with someone for, say, more than 15 minutes, not separated and without a mask, you're more likely to become infected with the virus. So we already do have that information. So we do know that the virus has been has mutated, and we know that it 
is more um, transmittable. Luckily, we also know that even though you're more likely to potentially get it if exposed, it doesn't seem to be more deadly, which is very um, comforting, at least from my standpoint as a public health professional. Um, To answer your question about those individuals with long-term complications, after recovering from COVID infection, um, it's, it varies. Um, I can, I'm happy to, to send you guys a copy of the study, but they look at the different demographics of the individuals that um, are complaining of these long-term symptoms. But for the most part, um, a majority of the patients either had either one um, comorbid condition or no comorbid conditions at all. So they may have had one thing, but there was a good chunk of people who had no underlying medical conditions, which is what's concerning to, um, you know, to providers and to physicians um, because, you know, we don't want people to think, oh, well, I'll just get it and I'll be fine because we have no idea why it impacts some people so negatively and others have no symptoms and seem to, you know, be okay. But then when you do a chest x-ray or if you do a CT scan, you see that they have underlying lung damage from being infected. Dr. Madison, I'm an advocate of opening up back to schools here as a country in a safe, uh, proactive, sanitized way uh, to get uh, kids back into school. Uh, am I wrong for criticizing the people putting great fear out on social media saying that uh, people going back to work in the school industry are risking their lives when there's still so many people in this country, uh, grocery store workers and the like, that are going back to work and have been going back to work on a consistent basis since March? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that um, really the key here is that we should be following the data and what the data is showing us. And so, you know, anytime you're looking at, you know, having a, a large group of children who may or may not be able to social distance and may or may not be consistent with wearing the face covering or the mask, it, it has a, a different element to it than if you are going into a grocery store and or a, an establishment where mask wearing is now mandated. Everyone, all the employees have to be masked. Everybody in the store is there for, you know, maybe a short period of time versus, you know, these kids needing to be in a classroom for, you know, hours um, all with, you know, with the same people. So you have to think about that um, when you're looking at the comparison. And then also what's going on in the community where that school is opening. So the two numbers that I really look at um, are... The first one is the R naught or the R value, which is the reproduction rate, and that's how um, basically what that means is that um, for every one person that's infected, how many other people do they infect? And so here in Nevada, our R naught is still above one, and so that's the kind of the litmus test to determine whether or not you can have exponential spread of the virus. Um, so until we can get that R naught below one, um, you know that that is the factor, one of the factors that we should be considering. And then the second number to think about is also percent positive rate. So for every test that you do, how many of those tests are coming back positive? Because that also gives you a good um, picture of how many people are potentially infected in your community. So our percent positives have been steadily going down, um, but they're still um, over what the WHO um, recommends as being safe. Christina Madison joins us, the founder and CEO of the Public Health Pharmacist, giving us our our knowledge here and our about the COVID-19 situation, especially sports-related, and we'll tie it into you know local Las Vegas and get you some thoughts on that as well, too. But back to Major League Baseball for a second, Christina. You know, the MLB players have to test negative twice in a row before returning to play. Is there a lasting threat even after they test negative to pass this on to other teammates? So, again, um, you know, to reiterate that incubation period, right? So you could have those two negatives and then potentially have that third one come back positive, right? Because it's based on when you had the exposure. So, you know, daily testing is great, but you have to remember that if that person tests positive, they potentially could have been infectious for two days before that positive test came back. So it's, it is challenging. So that's why they need to take all those other precautions, which I know that they're doing, but 
it's it's difficult you know, when you see them kind of reverting back to that, you know, old behavior where they're, you know, high-fiving and, you know, you know, jumping on top of each other, like you mentioned before, because, again, it puts them at risk. And, you know, it's really hard when you're somebody who's young, otherwise healthy, and you can't see this infection, right? So, like, that's what is so difficult, I think, for people to wrap their mind around, is that, like, people, they look fine. So why why should I fear being around somebody who's my teammate, who, this is my brother, like, why should I not want to celebrate with them, you know? So it, so it is challenging, but, you know, those, those provisions are there on purpose, and it's to mitigate or at least try to minimize, you know, the risk of transmission, because you can see, we know 18 of these individuals, players, staff, coaches, 18 are, are now positive, and it, and it hasn't even been a week since the season started. So, I mean, this can spread very quickly. And we know the recovery period uh, differs from person to person. And uh, Correct. When, when you look at the protocols that Major League Baseball, the NBA have in place, and uh, what are your thoughts as far as uh, you know getting the athletes back into action? Uh, do you think they're going about the right way, or what are your recommendations? I mean, first and foremost, I know that the NBA um, had Dr. Fauci as being one of their advisors. So I think that, you know, they, they, they did a lot of research, and I think that they really tried their best to make sure that when they brought the players back that they were trying to minimize risk. Unfortunately, what they didn't anticipate was that when these seasons were starting, that there would be raging outbreaks of new coronavirus cases in the communities where, where they were playing those games. So that was the factor that I don't think that they really thought about, because ultimately when we started reopening our economy, we didn't realize that people were going to just pretend like COVID didn't exist anymore. Well, speaking of Dr. Fauci, hopefully you saw his first pitch over at Nats Park. Now, I uh, it was a, it was a bit of a. I guarantee you, Christina <laughs> Madison, you could throw the uh, a first pitch. It'd be, it'd be a strike. It'd be a strike. He's a great scientist. He's a great. He's a, he's a national treasure. Um, he he yeah. But he can't throw a ball like you, or he has a high kick like you. I can tell you that. There's no question. I, I would be happy to throw out any pitch if we have that at all ballpark here. <laughs> Over in Summerlin, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> okay, I'm nominating you. That's it. So when we uh, you know, get the, the, when the aviators, aviators are, are back, back you're down. There's no question about it. All Absolutely, right. 100%. So the good news is, and I know you're a basketball fan as well, too, that the NBA reported today they have zero cases, zero positive yeah. cases in the bubble. That That's fantastic, right? So despite no, people news. breaking quarantine, it seems like it's working. Yeah, I mean, at least for now, it seems like it's holding. Um, their bubble is even more, I think, restrictive, though, than the MLB, um, because they're, they're really, really limiting any outside um, individuals. And then, of course, you know, everybody has their own room. Um, you know, everyone's tested daily. Like, I think they just moved to doing the daily testing um, versus... Um, prior, I think they were doing weekly testing when they were still in the uh, preseason. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great news. I know that there was like a like I think they had one positive test like maybe a week and a half ago, but yeah, I mean, it it, it looks like they may be able to pull it off. Dr. Madison, uh, I just came up with an idea for the organizations outside of the bubble, like the MLB and NFL, if maybe they can write it into the contracts uh, of the uh, collective bargaining. Maybe the players. Uh, when they're not at games or in practice facilities, like the police should have body cameras to track what they're doing and GPSs to make sure oh, man. that they're not breaking protocol and for safety reasons. Am I out of line for thinking this could maybe uh, be a, a positive thing to get these guys in line when they're not in the facility? You want them to wear the ankle bracelet while you're at it? It might, it might be right. a bit of a nanny state. Uh, I don't know if they, these uh, young strapping lads are going to go for that. But I do agree that, you know, there needs to be some sort of agreement, uh, whether it be gentleman's handshake, no pun intended, uh, or something to where they, you know, they say that they're not going to go outside of, you know, the quote-unquote bubble. But it's difficult. It's difficult when, you know, you want to see your family, you want to see your friends, you still want to enjoy yourself. But, you know, ultimately when it comes down to it, it's a job, right? This is exactly. a job. And yeah. so we got to work at our job and we got to 
do our job with the, within the confines of what is being asked of us. So I don't know if maybe we just need to think of it that way and, and not so much of, you know, the party aspect, because I do know that they like to go out and celebrate after games. That might be just something that they may have to delay or, you know, God forbid they have to do it over Zoom, but it, it would definitely keep them safe and it would ensure that the season could continue. Today, the NFLPA approved all 32 teams' health plans, so that seems to be uh, good, but still you know, no bubble situation in the NFL here. And when you hear that the Players Association approves uh, the health plans, uh, give us uh, some feedback and some thoughts on that. So, I mean, plans are great, um, but there's some things that obviously we are going to have to factor in. So, you know, NFL is going to be starting in the fall, and the other, you know, issue that we may be seeing in the fall is co-infection with influenza. So it's going to be really imperative that in addition to some of these other health recommendations that they have, that they make sure everybody is vaccinated against influenza so that they don't have a situation where they have people being infected with both you know, COVID-19 and influenza during the middle of the season. So, and there is some new new information that's coming out showing that there may be some COVID benefit to people receiving flu vaccine and pneumonia vaccine. So that's good, good information. And then you never know, we may have, um, you know, something for prevention by the time, you know, the NFL season starts, um, you know, later on this fall. So it's, you know, the, every day there's something new that's coming out um, and a new discovery. So I'm hopeful. I'm definitely hopeful. Uh, you're a UNLV alum, and the big topic right now is just not here, but all throughout the land of college football. Are we going to have college football? And no one has really given us uh, a decisive answer with that. What are your thoughts about college football, and what are you hearing as far as how can they make this safe? So, again, going back to those those case numbers that we were talking about before, um, it, it you know, even the best laid plans um, are, are going to be very difficult to execute if you're in a community that's in the middle of an active outbreak. So, you know, we have Governor Sisolak having the mask mandate, you know, the bars closing, um, you know, for now because of the case current level. I think that if we can get the rates down, then those, you know, those provisions that, you know, if we can mirror, uh, you know, the MLB and NFL and the NBA are doing, if we can do that with college sports, which again, takes a lot of money. Um, that's also the factor too. You know, these, these professional teams have unlimited resources and if they're not even able to do it with unlimited resources, what's a college going to be able to do? So we got to take all of those things into consideration. But again, this is still a little bit later on in the fall. I'm still hopeful that we'll be able to get a better handle on, you know, the cases, and uh, we'll just see what happens. But, you know, there, there, there's hope. Um, but, again, if we can't get the cases down, it, it would be very challenging to be able to do it, even with the best plan. All right, Dr. Christina Masson here in Las Vegas, founder and CEO of Public Health Pharmacist, Roseman University. Here locally, how do you think we're doing, the way we're dealing with everything here? I think things are getting better. Um, I feel like when I go out now, if I do have to go out and I do very little, um, I, I see, you know, people wearing masks. I see people keeping their distance. Um, you know, I am still seeing occasionally people posting pictures online of, you know, big gatherings, which is a little bit cringeworthy. But, um, you know, at least I'm seeing people doing things outdoors versus indoors. But, you know, I think it's really all about knowing your risk. And we are seeing the numbers go in the right direction. So um, I think some of the interventions and some of the things that we've put in place are starting to, we're starting to see the benefits of those, like the mask mandate um, and some of the closures. Uh, so we just have to keep doing what we're doing and, you know, not get quarantine fatigue, right? Like there was the whole thing about this, about how people were just feeling like they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And so they were like, I want to get back to my regular life. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard, but it's a temporary discomfort in order to really think about the greater good. Because the more we don't do these things, the longer it's going to take for us to actually recover here. 
All right. She is Dr. Christina Madison. Uh, outstanding stuff. The knowledge, uh, again, and from a sports perspective, too, uh, is just is great. And we just love having you on the program. That's it. Staying ovation. It's a standing O for the doctor. No question about it there. How many standing You can't o- see me, but I'm bowing. You should oh, be. You should thank be bowing. You, thank you. And I want. I really want to see that arm. I want to see the first pitch. Actually, what would be your best sport? You know, you a hooper. Oh, man. Is it is it baseball, softball? What do you got? You got some archery in you. What don't we know about you? Wow, that's really interesting. Well, I I did I love track. Um, yes. I wasn't so great at basketball, but um, I did like softball. So I I I hit a few balls in my day. <laughs> All right, there you go. Very nice. All right, we appreciate uh, the time. And uh, we will check in with you a little bit later on. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend with your family and everything, and uh, continue to stay safe. And uh, some parting words, some parting advice for our listeners. Wear a mask, social distance, and wash your hands. <laughs> there it is. The same thing we've been saying now for about six months, right? <laughs> well, if people would do it, then it wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Christine, appreciate the time as always. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, there she is, Dr. Christina Madison. Just a wealth of knowledge to have at our disposal right here. She's awesome, as always. Yeah, there you go. All right, so will we have college football? Only time will tell. We we said two weeks ago that this was going to be the most important two weeks probably in the history of sport, and here we are approaching the end of July. The NFL camps supposed to be starting right now, and they're just basically relegated to Zoom meetings. Uh, college campuses are still waiting uh, to see if they're going to open or not, and then these college football coaches are, are waiting to, to get on the field with their players. Still, no one knows. We, we need some word here. We need some word ASAP. You see, I think there's some good news, if you heard coming in, uh, and you know, i got to double-check the details, but I believe Notre Dame is partnering with the ACC conference here. Um, and planning on having a 10-game schedule this season in football. Uh, so that's good news for the ACC Conference. That's great news for Notre Dame, and it's really good news for, for college sports uh, for this upcoming season. So some positivity coming out of college sports today, and hopefully we're moving towards that direction. Unfortunately, it probably won't be till close to the springtime till we see that really manifest itself. Yeah, and it's real easy for Notre Dame because they're an ACC member in all of the sports except for football where they're the independent, which is still crazy. So it's real easy for them to say, hey, let's pick up these non-conference games that we're going to lose and then you know, with some of these other universities and, and patch into people that weren't on the schedule, but not so easy for teams like BYU, Army, and, and you know a handful of the others. Because remember, there's only, what, what, four or five independents here. And we know that BYU has been struggling you know, losing their uh, non-conference opponent. So we'll see what happens. All right, uh, so we got that. Of course, we got the opt-outs. Uh, daily, we're getting more and more NFL opt-outs uh, today. Uh, Damian Williams, Devin Funchess. We talked about Michael Pierce yesterday. Uh, I think we're approaching 20 NFL players that are opting out. And like you said, they have till uh, August the 3rd. Yeah, I think till Monday. Uh Former Super Bowl champion, Giants tackle, former Patriot Nate Solder also opted out. It's going to keep coming down until Monday, TC. And if some of these teams are smart guys like a Dalvin Cook and other guys that are hoping for an extension in their contracts, the teams are better off waiting till they can get through that grace period. Then they can sign them. Because if you sign someone like to an extension now, they could opt out tomorrow. And then you don't have them for this upcoming season. So teams got to sit and be patient here until Monday. And hopefully the dominoes don't continue to fall for some of these teams and they don't have crippling losses. They can build a, a good team together to compete for this upcoming season. All right. I want to thank Bob Nightingale for joining us, USA Today, giving us the thoughts about the Marlins and Major League Baseball. And, of course, Dr. Christina Madison for joining us. All those interviews up on the website. Go check out the website uh, uh, tcmartinshow.com the interview page you want to see some of the best interviews they're all up there just go to the interview page and then check out the podcast as well too on the website or at Spotify any other platforms tomorrow the big 7 footer Bill Cartwright joins us Chuck Esposito from Sunset Station for the Believer for the Quake TC saying so long